going on, New York Giants fans? It's game day. Giants-Washington Thursday night football. The last time they played on Thursday night, I believe it was Thanksgiving. I think it was 2017. They lost that. But two years before, I want to say, I think it was two years before, they did play on Thursday night in New York, and they won. But uh, let's not go off past precedence here. If you guys haven't already, hit that like button, comment, subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or drops. Uh, for the people listening on podcast platforms, please keep following the podcast. Keep Please keep listening. Because this is fun podcast, very interesting. I give Giants perspective, fan perspective, you know, of different aspects of Giants fan base, Giants stats, my opinion, stuff like that. And, you know, you're only going to get that here. And we tell the truth. We... we we try to remain as unbiased as possible. I think I would do a pretty good job of that, even to start the season. So uh, let's get right into it. So the subjects for today's podcast episode will be the injury report, the positional matchups, the practice squad protections, the week one rankings, things to look for and players to watch, questions to answer, and also keys to win and just final thoughts overall. So in terms of the injury report, nobody for Washington was really on the injury report. It was Antonio Gibson earlier in the week, but he is probably going to play, so uh, that's good for Washington. In terms of the Giants, they have two more players that will not play compared to last week. Evan Ingram, obviously, with a calf injury. Uh, he was out week one. And then Shane Lemieux and Cam Brown are not playing as well. That's a big loss because Shane Lemieux on Sunday actually played well in the snaps that he uh he got because he was better in pass protection. He was, you know, himself in the run game, which is pretty good at guard. And, you know, we saw somewhat of a step forward for him, even though it was like minimal snaps. So, uh, shout out to Shane Lemieux. Hopefully, get, hopefully he gets better. And uh, we'll see what happens with Ben Bradison or some of these other guys this week. If they, you know, are starting Bradison, they. Moving Gates to guard, I don't know where the feeling is coming from with that, but uh, it's our thing to see, right? So, Shane Lemieux, he's going to be out. Knee injury that's really been bothering him all training camp, and I guess it caught up to him in the game. Uh, you got to let it heal, in my opinion. You got to let it heal, and uh, hopefully he comes back this season because there's doubts now that he may not come back. Hopefully he does because I want to see what he looks like if he's improved, if he's not improved, this, that, and the other thing. And then Cam Brown, big for special teams, you know, he makes a lot of shoestring tackles. You know, if there's a return and it's like 20 yards up the field, he'll try to push somebody out of bounds or tackle them, you know. He's been really good on special teams the last two years, really a bright spot in a unit that really hasn't been good. Um, you know, there was a couple of mini returns in the Broncos game. So it's going to be a big loss for him, but Nate Ebner has to play well on special teams. A lot of other guys have to fill his role. Uh, so it's not just a loss on special teams, it's a loss for the linebacking core because, you know, you want your sixth-round rookie to contribute like he did last year a little bit. So uh, that is the injury report. Obviously, Ryan Fitzpatrick is on IR with a hip injury. Uh, hope he gets better, obviously, but Taylor Heineke is the starter. So now, something I didn't do last week, I'm going to do this week. And that is the positional matchups. Now, it's going to be different from what other people will tell you, what other people will give you. So I'm going to go with on paper, and then also I'm going to go with production so far. So for quarterback, I'm honestly going to go with New York Giants for both on paper and the way 
the quarterback has produced so far. That's Daniel Jones versus Taylor Heineke and Ryan Fitzpatrick. But uh, obviously, other than the one fumble, maybe two, three almost interceptions, I thought Daniel Jones did really well in the first half. Uh, second half, you know, some throws obviously in garbage time and this that, and the other thing. But I thought he really performed well in the first half, you know, decent in the second half. But I don't think he did all that bad like a lot of people are stressing out about, to be honest. But I will be hard on him when uh, I have to be hard on him. And in terms of, uh, you know, on paper, as I said, that's going to be the first thing I judge. And it's going to be production in week one. Well, I think he wins both because Heineke, you know, we can argue, oh, he looked great. You know, his pass rating was like a 119. It was only for 143 yards on 11 passes. Now, I have to do the math there, but just not a lot. And, you know, there was a lot of rushing yards for the Washington football team, you know, combined and all these players. Antonio Gibson led the ground game, but it wasn't the passing game that did it for the Washington football team last week. I mean, yes, you can argue Taylor Heineke did have a passing touchdown to Logan Thomas, but what moved them upfield was the running game, at least from what I saw. You know, other people can have different opinions and stuff like that. So in terms of running back, however, on paper, it's got to be the Giants. Uh, Devontae Booker is a backup. Saquon Barkley is the primary back. Now, production in terms of week one, I'm going to have to go with Washington here. As I just mentioned, Antonio Gibson, 20 rushes, uh, 90 yards. That's like four and a half yards per carry or something like that you know the Giants have to get something going in terms of the ground game which we'll talk about later but you know I can't be saying oh well the Giants you know overall they're because this is why I make the judgment like this you know if the Giants running backs are not producing like they should I'm gonna critique it and say hey you know obviously Washington's tight ends look better Washington's this looks better whatever but in terms of the running backs Washington does look better you know just overall in the ground game they look better uh, in terms of the wide receiver core Kenny Galladay and Sterling Shepard and the whole offense coming into the 2021 season on paper it's better uh, also to note Curtis Samuel is on IR for them so that's not good and uh, the really main receivers in that group I'll get the tight ends in a different aspect in a second um the main receivers right now are Terry McLaurin, I think, Diami Brown, who had one reception for negative two yards. So uh, I'm going to have to go with New York Giants in terms of production because Kenny Galladay in the receptions he did get, four receptions, 64 yards. Sterling Shepard, seven receptions, 113 yards. Giants just had more production out of that group in week one, and I genuinely believe that. In terms of the tight end position on paper, you have to think that the Giants are better. Uh, Kyle Rudolph, Caden Smith, and Evan Ingram. They don't have Evan Ingram this week. They didn't have him last week. In terms of production, Logan Thomas, I mean, he got a touchdown pass, and he was their second leading receiver. While you have Kyle Rudolph, who really didn't play well in terms of a receiving guy. Um, he was targeted a couple times, didn't turn his head around on one, fumbled out of bounds. Uh, well, he was down, but he nearly fumbled out of bounds, and they didn't get Caden Smith involved. So I'm going to have to go uh, with Washington in terms of the production at the tight end position. Take a look at the offensive line. On paper, uh, it's not it's not that, uh, you know, it's, for lack of better words, it's somewhat obvious, it's somewhat not obvious, whatever. But in terms of the offensive line, we all knew the New York Giants were going to have struggles coming into the year. Obviously, Washington added Charles Leno. They drafted Sam Cosme. Uh, you know, a couple other additions along the offensive line. They, they re-signed Brandon Scherf. 
or they at least franchise tagged him. Uh, with that being said, so obviously on paper, Washington looks like the better offensive line, and I thought they produced, you know, uh, better than the Giants' offensive line because you can make an argument. Well, you know, the Giants only uh, allowed two sacks on Daniel Jones. Well, A, the running game actually got going for the Washington football team, and they only gave up, I believe, one sack. They did they did give up seven quarterback hits, but I thought they just performed better, and it kind of showed. Uh, in terms of the defensive line, Obviously, the Giants, uh, Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, some of these other guys. And then you have their defensive line, which, in my personal opinion, this ain't just sucking up to Washington. You know, I don't do that. But I thought they produced better, and I think they're better on paper because you got a lot of guys on there. Matt Ioannidis, uh, Chase Young, arguably a defensive lineman because it's a 4-3 scheme. It's not 3-4. Uh, you have Deron Payne, you have Jonathan Allen, you have Montez Sweat. And you take a look at the Giants' defensive line, you know, outside of Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence, who do you have? You have Austin Johnson, who was re-signed. I mean, he played well uh, against the Broncos, but the other guys, man, Danny Shelton didn't play well. Raymond Johnson, you know, you can't expect you know a whole lot out of this guy because he was a undrafted free agent out of Georgia Southern. So I'm going to have to honestly go with Washington football team on both aspects, both sides of that. Um, in terms of linebackers, this one, now that I think about it, is a tough distinction in terms of the production. Um, I'm definitely going to have to go on paper, New York Giants, because, uh, well, Reggie Ragland's, you know, he's a decent run stopper. Blake Martinez, obviously a good linebacker. And we're also talking pass rushers in terms of the Giants, but we're not in terms of Washington because their linebackers are not pass rushers. I'm going to honestly just have to go with the New York Giants on both aspects, though, you know, you could say, oh, this, that, and the other thing, whatever. The Giants linebackers didn't do well last week. Zito already got a sack. Um, you know, Blake Martinez made a few tackles. Then the second half, it was just all downhill. Um, but I honestly thought the Giants linebackers played better than their linebackers. Washington fans, you can critique me on that however you want to. In terms of the cornerbacks, uh, this one's really interesting because on paper, both were projected to be good. In terms of production, in week one, they were not good. Both sides. Both teams. In terms of cornerbacks, I would have to go with the Giants on paper. Because Dory Jackson, you know, who ideally was the corner one in Tennessee for a couple of years. And Malcolm Butler and whatever. Uh, you know, he's pulled over a lot of Giants fans who were expecting, you know, a top 10 defense. Stuff like that. They somewhat still are. But they're just like, hey, listen. What, what was week one, right? Uh, James Bradbury coming into the year, possibly another Pro Bowl season. And once again, the Giants did not perform. Washington did not perform. I actually have the stats that I can show you in just a second, or at least read to you. Washington's cornerbacks were not good. You know, a lot of the short plays are why the stats are reflected as so bad. You know, they beat them over the middle. They beat them like Sterling Shepard beat the Denver Broncos. So let me real quickly get to those stats because I do have them for you. Kendall Fuller allowed seven receptions on nine targets, 81 yards, 104.2 passer rating, and 11.6 allowed per completed pass. You look at uh, William Jackson, former Bengals cornerback. He did have an interception, but four for six. Quarterbacks were four for six against him. Only 33 yards, a 41 passer rating, and 8.3 yards allowed for pass. Or completed pass, I should say. Uh, 
Kendall Fuller, I think I mentioned already, if I didn't mention it, 11.6 allowed per completed pass. So, honestly, I'm going to have to go with Washington on this one. Because the interception means and speaks volumes. Uh, you know, Jackson statistically did not look that bad. Statistically, I didn't watch the game, so I can't really say, oh, this, that, and the other thing. But the Giants' corners, man, they were beating, getting beat left and right over the middle, this, that, and the other thing, leaving receivers wide open. Dory Jackson, he was Bradbury. I have to really be unbiased here as I try to be this whole podcast episode and on this podcast in general. Uh, the Washington corners only get slip of an edge in terms of production in week one. In terms of the safeties, I'm honestly going to have to go with the Giants on both sides of the aisle. Uh, in terms of on paper, Logan Ryan, he outperformed his expectations last year. Jabril Peppers, same thing. You know, he was very impactful. Uh, Julian Love, obviously, you know, he's kind of the rotational guy, kind of guy. And then you have uh, Xavier McKinney, who in the last game pretty much showed up against the Cowboys. And in terms of safeties, man, Logan Ryan, like, listen, you guys can refer to PFF. They actually ranked Logan Ryan the best safety of week one. Uh, but he did make some plays, and I'm not going to refer to PFF. I'm not saying, oh, well, they're right on this, that, and the other thing. No. Um, I dislike PFF if you're new to the podcast. But Logan Ryan, he was easily, in my opinion, the hardest fighting giant on that defense, or at least one of them. Uh, barely missed the tackle. He did give up receptions, but he almost caused a second fumble. The first fumble was a fumble. Albert Ogubuenunam, I believe it was. Uh, and it was like the two-yard line, and... He recovered his own fumble. That's a great job by him. He was making plays. And it's unfortunate that the rest of the Giants defense, you know, they were missing tackles doing this, that, and the other thing. I wish I could say the same about Blake Martinez and James Bradbury, but they played poorly. So I'm going to have to go with the New York Giants in terms of uh, safeties. In terms of special teams, I'm going to have to go with the Giants, and it's not by much. Uh, I'm not a guy that looks into, oh, you know, the kickoff coverage and this, that, and the other thing. I'm going to go with punter, long snapper, and kicker. I'm going to have to go with the Giants because on paper, obviously, Joe Judge, special teams coach, Graham Gano, and that stuff like that. And you can make the argument, oh, Dustin Hopkins on paper, you know, looks better than Graham Gano in some aspects. Well, Dustin Hopkins didn't miss a kick on Sunday, and he really wasn't good in the preseason. So on paper, you could say the Giants are better. And in terms of, you know, the production week one, the Giants were better. So, real quickly, let's get into some practice squad protections. The Giants protected C.J. Board, Matt Skura, offensive lineman. Defensive tackle David Moore and tight end Chris Myrick. Obviously, Evan Ingram is out. Um, David Moore, I mean, he's protected for the second straight week, so they have to think of something, right? I don't know. Uh, Matt Skura, just in case they want to move Gates to guard or something like that, maybe just as an extra lineman. And C.J. Board, because... He is the ideal kickoff returner, you know? And then for the Washington football team, they protected four players. I only know two of them, to be honest with you. Offensive guard Wes Martin, uh, quarterback Kyle Shermer, defensive end Daniel Wise, and defensive end Bunmi Rotimi. I have no idea who the hell that is. All right, let's take a look at the 2021 stats. Now, this is more of rankings. So keep that in mind, and keep in mind also as well, it was week one. I'm not going to go back to last season because last season doesn't really have an effect on this season. So based on week one and all the NFL, I'm going to go in total yards per game, stuff like that for both the Giants and the Washington football team. Um, in terms of the Giants, they were 25th in total yards uh, to start the season. I'm not going to say per game because we only played one, but they rank 18th in passing yards. 
they rank 29th in running yards. 60 yards isn't going to get you much. And they rank 30th in points. So that's something that the Giants have to vastly improve on. Do I expect it? No. Because Jason Garrett and, you know, the Giants' components really struggle within this offense. You know, the weapons and all the other guys. Um, but the offensive line, once again, was like a big surprise in terms of how well they played. I'm not saying, you know, they played solid or, you know, the greatest offensive line play in history. No, I'm not going to say that. But it's an improvement over some of the stuff we saw last year, especially in pass protection. But in terms of the defense, uh, they rank 22nd in total yards. They rank 14th in passing yards, which actually is kind of uh, surprising because Teddy Bridgewater looks like he carved this defense up. up. But uh, I think he had, what, 264 yards, 260 yards, something like that. So I guess a lot of other passers passed for more against opposing defenses. Uh, in terms of the running game, honestly, this is kind of like something to take a grain of salt with. Same thing with the passing. Um, the Giants allowed... 170 yard run and I'm not making excuses for the Giants defense whatever but take away that 70 yard run and that's under 100 rushing yards allowed so that's pretty good in my opinion but as of right now you know you can't take away the the Melvin Gordon run you can't go back in time you can't go back in the past this ain't back to the future uh you you have to stick with you know basically what you're given and uh the Giants rank 29th in rushing yards and they rank 20th in points so you know 27 points given up on the defensive side it's not great especially with the sustaining drives and stuff like that you take a look at Washington on the offensive and defensive side of the ball uh, in total yards they're 28th in passing yards they're 32nd and running yards they are 11th and in points they're 27th uh, they scored 16 points it's not going to get a lot done if you're watching in terms of the running game they were pretty good Antonio Gibson led the charge with 20 rushes for 90 yards, which is about 4.5 yards per carry. And also to note, you had the backup running backs, and you also had, you know, Heineke rush for a little bit. Uh, Fitzpatrick rushed for a little bit, not by design, but scrambling away from the pocket. Um, in terms of passing yards, man, listen, you know, there's a lot of situations across the league where quarterbacks get injured, and then you got to put the other one in and stuff like that. But 143 yards is not going to cut it. You know, whatever situation, that's not going to win you a game. And even if you rely heavily on the run game or you find what fits in the running game or whatever, 143 yards, man, that's not going to cut it. So if I'm Washington, and I don't want to be Washington, but if I'm Washington this week, I'm thinking, okay, how can we attack these guys? How can we attack the middle of the field? This, that, and the other thing, whatever. And going back to the offensive game plan, um, in terms of the Washington football team, you know, I didn't mention anything previously about it, but what I was about to say was that Scott Turner said he's going to listen to Taylor Heineke and listen to his feedback about the offense. You know, though that is a uh, a quarterback and OC duo working together. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like the same thing's happening over here. But you know, we'll see. We were not. We're you know, we're not in there. So we can't necessarily say, oh, well, this guy hates this guy. No, but, you know, when you say out loud that you're willing to listen to your quarterback for feedback, it kind of helps. And knowing that they only got 143 passing yards, you know, that kind of has to say something. 
Anyway, for the defensive side of the ball, they rank 24th in total yards, 28th in passing yards, 13th in rushing yards, and 12th in points allowed. Um, they only gave up 20 points, so obviously that's good compared to the Giants and a couple other teams across the league. In terms of rushing yards, I think they only gave up 40 to 60 yards or something like that on the ground. Not too bad. Uh, Austin Eckler left the game early, I believe, so Larry Roundtree and Justin Jackson probably got a bunch of the snaps in the second half probably. Um, also as well, going back to the passing game, you know, you can't allow 338 yards to anybody, let alone Justin Herbert. You know, he was basically carving that defense up. And kind of the way that Sterling Shepard was carving the uh, Broncos defense up because it was the short stuff, it was the yards after catch, it was over the middle. That's the stuff that killed the Washington football team last week against the Chargers. And the Giants have to adapt to that or else it's going to be another, you know, the defense has to win it, not the offense. So that's pretty much the rankings part of the episode. Now we move into things to look for and the players to watch. Now, obviously, one of the things I mentioned earlier was the cornerbacks struggling a little bit for Washington, but slightly outdueling the New York Giants cornerbacks in their separate matchups. Washington against the Chargers, the New York Giants against the Broncos. So I obviously stated it earlier, and if I didn't, I apologize, but I'm pretty sure I did. Kendall Fuller allowed seven receptions on nine targets, 81 yards, 104.2 passer rating, and 11.6 yards allowed per completed pass. Uh, William Jackson, I almost said Justin Jackson, four for six. Quarterbacks were against him, obviously. 33 yards, 41 passer rating, 8.3 yards allowed per completed pass and an interception. So obviously, William Jackson was the better of the corners. Uh, you take a look at their defensive line, and two guys really stand out to me. Montez Sweat and Jonathan Allen. And Chase Young, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, we should have drafted this guy, whatever. But Rashawn Slater really held Chase Young to his own. And, you know, I know there's a lot of people out there saying, oh, Rashawn Slater, you know, we should have drafted him. Well, you know, Andrew Thomas, listen, you know, the last two times, Chase Young really hasn't done anything against the Giants because of Andrew Thomas. So, uh, Matt Ioannidis, he had three tackles and one tackle for a loss. He's been there for years. Uh, Chase Young had three tackles, one tackle for a loss, and a pass deflection. Deron Payne had four tackles, so I guess he really didn't get a lot of the snaps or he wasn't really doing anything in a lot of the snaps. Montez Sweat, he had a big year last year. I don't know if anybody else has remarked on it, but he had a big year last year. I think he had like 10 sacks or something like that. His sack total just shot up. Um... But in the Charger game, he had four tackles, a tackle for a loss, a sack, a quarterback hit, a forced fumble, and two quarterback pressures. While I take a look at Jonathan Allen, three tackles, one tackle for a loss, a sack, three quarterback hits, and two quarterback pressures. I mean, that's harder going through the interior. So someone probably had to uh, probably screwed up there, whether it be Corey Lindsley or whether it be Odeyabushi or some of the other guys because, you know, obviously Jonathan Allen got to the quarterback more than once, not just for sacks, but for pressures and quarterback hits. Uh, obviously, I mentioned the rushing attack. The main focus is going to be Antonio Gibson because he can also catch passes out of the backfield. I believe he was like 3 for 18 in terms of catching passes out of the backfield. 
but he did have once again for the like the 90th time on this podcast episode he had 20 carries for 90 yards he did have two fumbles though one of them lost but uh if the Giants once again can force that ball out it's going to be a lot easier and it's going to give time to the offense for them to move the ball downfield or whatever uh in terms of the receivers and their quarterback not much really to say about just the receivers overall, and I'm talking as in pass catchers. I'm not talking just receivers. I'm talking tight ends and all this other stuff. Not really much stuck out, obviously, because Taylor Heineke and the Washington offense only got like 140 yards total, with, even with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, just start out with Taylor Heineke real quick. 11 for 15, 122 yards, 8.1 yards per pass, and a touchdown. He did have like 119 passer rating or something like that. But it's not going to get done with 122 passing yards. So maybe he'll pass the ball more. Maybe they'll you know, give it to the ground game and make it work. We'll see. But the Giants, other than that one run by Melvin Gordon, were actually pretty good against the run. Uh, Logan Thomas, three receptions, 30 yards, and a touchdown. So he's continuing his success from last year. Terry McLaurin, four receptions for 62 yards, no touchdowns. So, uh, you know, I'm surprised he didn't get 100 against guys like Asante Samuel and the other guys in that secondary. And then Diami Brown, the guy out of UNC, I believe, uh, one reception for negative two yards. So they have to get that passing game going. They do. If the Giants stop them on the ground and they don't get anything in the passing game going, it's going to be a long night for Washington. And real quickly, going back to the stats segment just a little bit, here are some of the stats that I recovered from the Chargers game in terms of the Chargers offense. Uh, Justin Herbert, 31 for 47, 337 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Keenan Allen had nine receptions for 100 yards. Mike Williams also had a big day. Uh, eight receptions, 82 yards, and a touchdown. Jalen Guyton, three receptions, 49 yards. And Jared Cook, the former Saint, five receptions, 56 yards. So now let's move into one of the final subjects of the podcast. And that is the questions to answer. I do five for the offense and five for the defense. Can Ben Bradison turn into a better run blocker? If he can't do that, there should be a change on the offensive line. I like the way he pass blocked. Don't get me wrong. But the Giants really need to get something going on the ground. It absolutely stings that Shane Lemieux is not playing. It absolutely hurts us because he looked like a different player in those limited snaps on Sunday. And Ben Bradison, you know, you could refer to PFF and all these other outlets. He just didn't run block well, even if you look at the eye test, you know, look at the film breakdowns and stuff like that. So he needs to be a better run blocker. None of this, oh, well, he's good in pass blocking, at least. No, we need somebody who's two-dimensional, not just one-dimensional in terms of that. So maybe if they don't get the running game going in the first half or the first quarter, maybe put Billy Price at center and Gates at guard, something honestly I'm not really a fan of because, I don't know, just like switching the offensive line, now Nick Gates plays next to Thomas, and that affects, you know, uh, somebody's mentality and chemistry with the next person. Like, Nick Gates has never played next to Andrew Thomas in his life. So, you know, if Nick Gates can't pick up a stunt, or that's just going to boggle with somebody's mind mentally. Um, but that's definitely a consideration. Maybe Billy Price goes to the left guard. Maybe Matt Skura, who they protected, uh, goes to the guard spot. We'll see what happens. But number two, will Caden Smith and Kenny Galladay get more involved? I like the way they involve Sterling Shepard in the offense. 
but we have to get our number one receiver involved, whether it be on Daniel Jones just not throwing it or Kenny Galladay not getting involved because Jason Garrett's, you know, like, oh, let's go to Shepard amount of times, you know. It's just not going to work. We paid so much money for this guy, and he's produced on the catches and receptions or whatever. He's produced four receptions, 64 yards on like six targets. You know, that's really good, and that's what we paid him to do. You know, not just do the 50-50 ball, but be a part of the offense, be the number one. And I understand, you know, they're doing the chemistry thing. They're trying to get along with each other. You know, they really haven't had a lot of snaps together in terms of throwing balls and stuff like that. But this is something, you know, this team's supposed to be winning. So I would like him more involved. And Caden Smith, you know, Evan Ingram's out. Kyle Rudolph didn't really do much in terms of the offense last week, last Sunday. I want to see Caden Smith involved. We saw with our own eyes what Caden Smith could do back in 2019 and back in the third preseason game when he caught that touchdown pass over Adrian Colbert. Giants need to get him involved. They don't need, you know, any of these fancy tight ends. And I'm not saying that Evan Ingram is not a loss. He is a loss because he's a matchup. He's a mismatch against linebackers. But Caden Smith, he needs to get involved. And I'm not saying it's all Caden Smith's fault. It's Daniel Jones. It's Jason Garrett. It's the game plan. It's whoever's fault. It's one of those three being Joe Judge, Jason Garrett, Daniel Jones. And once again, Caden Smith has shown in the past he's a solid pass catcher. That's what I got to say about that. Number three, how many carries will Saquon Barkley get? He got 10 last week. I'm expecting at least 15. I don't know if 20 is too much, but I know they have to ramp him up in there. I know they have to work him back into it. But the Giants, whether it's Booker, whether it's Barkley, they need to get something going on the ground. And Barkley, in my opinion, is not 100% yet because I thought he was a little more patient on one of the runs to the outside, the right outside, on the other sideline once, and I thought he was a little more patient, or he's just looking for something, and that's not usually him, he's usually dancing around in the backfield, and, you know, he did miss a huge hole on one of the plays where it was like a one-yard loss or a no-yard gain, you know, he had up the middle, so this is something that obviously is a flaw in his running game, and it has been for like the past two years, or you could even say, oh, since he's uh, been in the league, but in terms of carries, he needs to get, in my opinion, 15 carries about. Uh, will he get that many carries? I don't know. I'm not the coach. I'm not the training staff. You take a look at number four, question number four. Does Kadarius Tony get more snaps? I want him more involved. And I understand the whole COVID thing, him not, you know, being totally healthy and totally into the playbook, uh, you know, in the preseason, in the summer, whatever. But we have to get this guy involved. He's the first round pick. The expectations have to be there at least for him to be on the field and involved. And I understand, you know, you got Kenny Galladay, you got... Evan Ingram, you got some of these other guys, but make him a part of the offense too. Be creative, and I know that's not going to happen, but be creative with him a little bit. We can't just be, oh, it's a jet sweep that the off, uh, defense excuse me, just knows is coming. So, number five, can Daniel Jones not turn over the football? <sighs> that was one of the reasons we lost last week. It wasn't the prime reason, and I'm not going to give a prime reason as to why we lost this, excuse me, last week. Because it's a flat ground. Everybody deserves blame. The defense, Joe Judge, Jason Garrett, uh, some of these other guys. Excuse me for burping. Um, but Daniel Jones' fumble did not help. At a touchdown. You know, maybe the Giants are at least back in the game mentally if he doesn't do that. And maybe they score a touchdown on that drive. Because it was, what, 20-7 to 7 at that point? 
So in the moment, you have to think there if you're Daniel Jones. And Peyton Manning said this. This is a Peyton Manning quote. The most important play is the next play. Daniel Jones, I think it was a, what, a first down or a third and two or something like that. I'm pretty sure it was a first down. He runs. You have to slide because he learned later in the game, hey, listen, I can slide and probably draw a penalty. Justin Simmons got that penalty. Or it was somebody else that got the penalty. But either way, it was 15 yards going forward. But it didn't mean much because the Giants were already down by, what, 20 points, 17 points, something like that. So, um, you know, it has to get into his head that he cannot turn over the football. And turnovers happen. I get that. But he's in his third year. And also to note, this offense really has been great the last two years. Not where you can just, oh, I could just turn over the ball and the offense is going to quickly recover. It doesn't go like that. So you take a look at five questions for the defense. Can Pat Graham formulate a game plan to cover over the middle? They have to go more zone over the middle. And it's not just on him, but it's on the players as well. But he has to create a better game plan. Pat Shermer out-coached him, out-game-planned him. I'm not a defensive specialist where I'm creating these plays and you know doing these film breakdowns and whatever, but... He needs to find a game plan where the Giants are not getting beat over the middle, not giving up the explosive play, something they did last year, which was not giving up the explosive play. They can't let Washington do that. You know, whether Taylor Heineke is the quarterback, whether Steven Montez is the quarterback, whether Kyle Shermer is the quarterback, whether freaking Terry McLaurin is the quarterback. I don't care who the quarterback is. You cannot be giving up the explosive play. Because we already know the offense is on a short leash with production. So let's not add a new problem. Number two, will Pat Graham lighten up with man coverage and blitzing? Obviously, I think they blitzed a lot more on Sunday percentage-wise than they did the, the last season. Excuse me. Because they didn't have the personnel. Now you have the personnel. So... Maybe you look at the film and say, okay, well, you know, maybe a Dory Jackson's not ready for uh, this. Or maybe the defense on the back end is not ready for total man coverage yet. So maybe you lighten up the blitzing. You have to get pressure there, though. There is no doubt. Uh, number three, the Giants got pressure on Teddy Bridgewater last week. Can they finish up with the sacks? You cannot be missing sacks. Aziz Ojolari missed a couple of sacks. Leonard Williams, Xavier McKinney. You cannot let Taylor Heineke go out of the pocket. Once again, I don't care who the quarterback is. You have to get to the quarterback. You bring the pressure, you get the sack, you make an important stop, an important uh, tackle, whatever the hell it is. You have to tackle, you have to finish up with the sacks. That way it's a huge loss for the offense and then they have to work uh, 100 steps forward so it's not like a 3rd and 5, it's a 3rd and 15. So, the defense has to just sure up those sacks. It comes with tackling. It comes with a lot of stuff they did wrong on Sunday. Uh, you take a look at number four. Will they avoid the stupid penalties and make the proper stops? That goes in with the sacks. You know, too many plays last week that seemed like 2019 mistakes. Teddy Bridgewater going to the right sideline, coming out of the pocket, throws it across his body, right to K.J. Hamler. Uh, the K.J. Hamler, uh, almost touchdown that he drops in the end zone. Can't have those plays. The Aziz Ojolari personal foul roughing the passer. That can't happen even if it's in garbage time. Darnay Holmes, the personal foul penalty out of bounds. That cannot happen. Logan Ryan literally saved his ass. So 
let's not turn into the 2019 New York Giants. Let's turn into the 2021 New York Giants. We're a, we're a better defense and we're disciplined about the same amount. Just my opinion. And number five, can they avoid allowing explosive plays? See what I'm doing here? What I'm doing with the defense is I'm not blaming one singular person. I'm just going flat across the board. I'm saying defense. Not a certain player. I'm going defense. Of course, I'm saying, oh, Aziz Ojolari, you know, he shouldn't have missed that sack. Whatever. I'm going defense. Just flat across the board because everybody has to do their part. Basically, most of the defense sucked last week. I'm I'm going to be blunt about it. I'm going to be blunt about it. But can they avoid allowing the explosive plays? That includes in the running game, too. You know, they allowed a big run for, I think it was Javante Williams to the left side. Uh, Whether it be a drive later or drive before, whatever. Melvin Gordon, straight up the middle, 70-yard touchdown. That cannot happen in terms of the passing game. We mentioned it earlier. The throw across the body for Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, the multiple passes to Noah Fan, the missed tackles on that Albert Ogubuenunam touchdown. That cannot happen. So the stupid mistakes need to stop. The explosive plays need to stop in terms of the defense. You can't be allowing them. And the game plan needs to get better, in my opinion. Um, keys to win. I'm going to go 3-1 to one here. Number three, stop allowing passes over the middle and finish the sacks. You cannot allow passes over the middle. You can't. And formulate a game plan where at least it's zone defense or something like that. Because if they're doing crossing routes, the only proper way to stop those crossing routes or limit those crossing routes is zone defense. You can't do that in man coverage. That's very tough because what if they set a pick play or a rubber route or any of these other things, you know? Um, But they have to stop passes over the middle. They just have to stop the explosive play in general. They got to finish the sacks too. There should have been at least three, four, five sacks. Leonard Williams, Zizo Jolari. Xavier McKinney, Darnay Holmes, you got to get the quarterback to the ground. I don't care if it's Lamar Jackson. I don't care if it's Dwayne Haskins. I don't care if it's any of these other guys across the league. Get the quarterback to the ground because that's when the pressures actually count. You can pressure the quarterback 100 times a game and not get a sack and still lose the game. So they have to execute on that side of the ball definitely. Number two, you got to get the running game going. Um, This is a tough run defense. Kind of knew that last year, still know it this year. Even facing Atlanta next week, you know, they could have a terrible run defense. It won't matter if we don't get the running game going. Whether it's Saquon Barkley, whether it's Devontae Booker, they have to run block. They have to run block. If they don't run block, then it's a one-dimensional side of the ball. makes it easier for the defense. Number one, you got to get the crossing routes, the short yardage routes, and the yards after catch going. Um, I really do not like what Joe Judge says. Oh, well, they don't give up explosive plays, so we're not going to, you know, basically uh, do anything deep. We're going to keep it all short, blah, 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 blah. Uh, You know, I don't like giving away game plans, and I don't know if he was setting a smoke screen or doing whatever. We'll see what happens. But uh, you can't can't just say that, in my opinion, because it's, it's not been working. It's not been working, and... You know, just because a defense doesn't give up the explosive plays doesn't mean they won't one or two plays. You know, we thought Denver was not giving up explosive plays. Darius Slayton, Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, you know. The Giants got a decent portion of explosive plays last week. And I know I'm using a Justin Panic term, but I'm just stating the facts. But they have to get Sterling Shepard involved like they did last week. Do I think that they're going to get him involved like last week? 
To be honest, no. Because I don't think a player has that game two weeks in a row. You know, we mentioned it about Darius Slayton last year. It was like 100 and something yards against the Steelers. Next week, he was silent. He dropped like one or two passes, especially on third down. But the Giants, they have to do it across the middle. They have to attack them the way that the Chargers attacked the Washington football team. And if, you know, they learn to stop it, if Jack at Del Rio game plans better and they learn to stop it, create the explosive play. Because if you stick to one game plan without backup plans, it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. So, um, just some final thoughts. I'm predicting the Giants to win this game probably by a score of, let's actually throw it out here, let's say 2017. Um, you know, I'm not expecting big offense from the Giants. I'm expecting the defense to be a little more disciplined. You know, the defense, I don't want more problems than the Giants already have. The offense, man, you know, I, I've, I've lost faith in any sort of change. Um, there are plays where Daniel Jones screws up. There are plays where receivers drop passes. There are plays where Jason Garrett just calls stupid plays. The Kyle Rudolph play, the three-yard line. What is that? You know, some of these play calls just really irritate me. The Giants, in my opinion, moved the ball well at points last week. You know, they were ranked right now, I think, 25th in passing yards or something like that. But without the fumble, they were on... Uh, Denver territory, I'm pretty sure this is a straight fact. I'm pretty sure they were on Denver territory four times. I can't remember the yard lines right now, but I remember that somebody said it. They were on Denver's territory in four separate instances, and this ain't even counting the whole game, four separate instances, and they didn't even score on those instances. Two of those ideally at least turn into touchdowns and it's a close game or it's possibly tied so you know offensive execution has to be there but once again i don't know if i have hope because last year's show you know it was a lot of the same stuff in terms of the defense you know why am i harping more on the defense than the offense because the offense has consistently showed me that really they're not going to change defensively we cannot have other problems you know if the defense can at least and i know i'm horrible saying this if the defense can at least give the offense a chance and sustain drives, sustain drives defensively, meaning that they get the stops on third down, they get the stops on fourth down, that gives the offense a chance. Then we could sit there and complain, well, the offense, you know, they didn't execute. If the defense gives them a chance to win and at least holds Washington to uh, like 17 points, 20 points, and then the offense, you know, will blame them if they don't execute. But we can't be having new problems. We can't. You know, this, I hate to compare it to 2017, but the defense was an added problem. With the injuries, obviously, it was a different story, but we cannot be having a new problem. So I'm predicting the Giants to win. I'm predicting the Gi Giants' defense to get better. I'm predicting the Giants' offense to pretty much stay the same. Uh, but that's pretty much my thoughts. You guys can let me know. Hope the Giants win tonight. If you guys haven't already, hit that like button, comment, subscribe, turn on post notifications so you know when live stream pops, video drops. Appreciate y'all. Thank y'all. Peace out. See you later. Stay cool and go Giants.